Hey there, I'm Tyler Wells. And I'm Will Buse. This is I Can Do That, a podcast about careers and the people who are in them. With each new episode, we'll look into a different career, its qualifications, its perks, its drawbacks, and ultimately try and provide a basic preview of how to do that job. On today's episode, Tyler and I interview Zach Pate. Zach has been in the field of architecture for 10 years. Today, Zach will talk about his experiences in the field of architecture so you can have a solid foundation before you enter this career. talking with Zach Pate. This is uh, one of my good friends. I've known Zach for a couple of years. He's such a beautiful human. I'm so happy to get to talk to you today, Zach. Thanks for coming on and talking with us. Yeah, thanks, Tyler. Uh, I really appreciate the, um, calling me a beautiful human. <laughs> well, you are. You're a beautiful human. <laughs> Just to kind of get started, why don't you tell us a little bit about how you got into the field of architecture and kind of where you stand? Yeah, I've actually pretty much always been interested in construction. I initially actually wanted to be a farmer, (laughs) which is kind of stereotypical, I guess, with anybody growing up in Wisconsin. But I would say somewhere around the way, like maybe second or third grade, I really started just being interested in like home construction, that kind of stuff. We had a neighbor of ours who was a contractor, a construction contractor. So, and his daughter actually babysat me. So any time like she was babysitting, I'd end up on a construction site basically. And I kept telling my kids or my kids, my parents, I kept telling them, Oh, I want to like, I want to go and build houses. I want to build buildings, but I don't want to be the person working on the buildings. I want to be the person telling them what to do, which I guess was maybe a selfish side of me coming out. But that's when they kind of started telling me like, no, 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 that's not like, that's not a person in construction, that's an architect. And that's when I was like, what's an architect? And basically by fourth grade, I made the decision that I was going to architecture school at uh, University of Wisconsin. Like I just, for whatever reason, had my life just charted out before me thinking I had, you know, everything figured out, even though that totally wasn't true. But somehow I was one of the few students that said I knew what I wanted to do when I was in elementary school. And here I am today doing exactly what I wanted to do. Dude, locked and loaded. That's so cool. Yeah. Oh man, if that if that was true for everybody, I would be a cowboy right now. So <laughs> no joke, <laughs> right? I love it. You know, if I was to get my the the third grade version of me's desire, I think I'd be a marine biologist. Oh, dude, wouldn't that, that be fascinating? Yeah, yeah. yeah, I thought so. Oh, I guess we all have different goals when we're children. The architects, <laughs> the marine <laughs> biologists, and I'm like, I I want dual pistols. It'll be pretty sweet. All right. <laughs> Cowboys are cool. I'm sure that pays well, right? (laughs) So, so with this, obviously making that decision so young probably set you up to mentally start taking steps earlier on than some people might. Could you talk uh, talk a little bit into schooling that is necessary to at least get into architecture? Yeah. So that's a little bit complicated depending on what state you're in. Um, So. I'm trying to remember. Um, So for anybody that's looking up like an architecture school, you have to look for a NAB accredited degree, N-A-A-B. 
Um, if you look that up online, actually, um, so NAAB stands for National Architectural Accreditation Board. Um, it's kind of a mouthful, but that's what they called it. If you look up that website, you'll find a list of maybe, I feel like it's like only 120 schools in the country that actually follow that standard. And there's usually one per state. Luckily here in Oregon, we have two, but usually that's, there's just one. So on that topic, uh, there's some states that only require you to have like a bachelor's degree in architecture. So you only go for four years, you get your bachelor's degree, you're done. Um, and you have everything that you need to start a path towards licensure. But if you're in select few, which that's a, the number is growing, there's states that do require you to actually go the extra two years and get a master's degree. Oregon is one of those, Oregon, California, Washington, I think all the West Coast is included in that. So it depends on the state. And I definitely recommend ahead of time when you're thinking about schooling, actually looking at that. And making that decision of, is am I cool with going to school for an additional six years and applying that to my career? Right. Yeah. I, I feel like as a high school student, maybe you're like not on the level of like even really wanting to consider that. You'd just rather kind of get started and go for it. Um, but definitely, I'd say for those that are wanting to maybe um, like maybe you're 30 or 40 years old and you want to go back to school, that's definitely something to consider. Like if you want to stay on the West Coast or maybe if you're in a state that only requires four years, that's much easier. There's also options. So I went to Portland State University for my master's degree. There's options at schools like Portland State University of Oregon, where if you do hold a certain bachelor's degree, that's maybe not a, not an architectural degree, you can still go back and in three years, just get your master's of architecture. So if you have an art degree and you don't know what you want to do with that, but you end up deciding you want to do architecture, you can go back and in three years, have your master's of architecture and just be ready to be certified already. So that's something to think about too. Okay. I, and I may be cheating here because I know you uh, outside of this, but you started college in, in Wisconsin and then in finished up your master's here in Oregon, right? Yeah, I did my first four years at University of Wisconsin. Um, they have a campus in Milwaukee and that's the only school of architecture in that state. So I moved to the city there um, and did that for four years. And initially I was actually going to stay but I wanted to kind of turn, I was trying to focus on kind of something different than most architects would want to. And that was uh, more kind of working with nonprofits and impoverished communities. So the only schools that I found in the country that actually had programs related to that were University of Minnesota and Portland State. And so that's how I kind of ended up going to Portland State for my master's degree. And you didn't want to make that transition from a badger to a gopher. So I totally get that. <laughs> well, actually, I was at UW-Milwaukee, so that's technically a panther. Um, but still, yeah, we're salty towards gophers at any of the UW campuses. There. So, yeah. <laughs> okay, so you started in Wisconsin, at University of Wisconsin. You moved yeah. to Portland State University, got your master's there. And then what? Did you just immediately find a, a career right after that? Um. Not necessarily. It was a little bit of time of waiting. So I was in Portland and I actually, I really wanted to move back home at this point because Portland, I, 
when I was 12 and initially came out on a family trip to Portland, I loved it. I loved Oregon, but while I was going to PSU, for some reason, it just was not growing on me. And I was like, no, nope, I want to move back to Wisconsin. I don't want to deal with this anymore. It rains too much, you know, yada, yada, yada. But something was telling me to stay. And so I, I waited a couple months. So I think I graduated in June and during that time, I was kind of finishing up my thesis. So I was running on very little sleep, kind of dealing with some health issues from schooling and everything else. And uh, then I was trying to land a job. And that was really difficult, actually, because a lot of firms were like, hey, we need four years of experience. And I'd be like, okay, well, I have like a year while going to school. <laughs> and So that was kind of difficult, actually, because there were a lot of job opportunities in Portland because Portland's growing like crazy. So there's a lot of work, but so few firms were actually asking for someone at my level. And actually, I did apply for this great firm in Portland. They interviewed me. Interview went awesome. And then they were like, we were actually looking for like an intern with no experience. You're kind of above and beyond. What? So I was like, dang, I'm stuck in this place where I have too much knowledge for like, you know, a summer internship, but I didn't have enough knowledge for like, you know, a firm that wanted a mid-level architect or an intermediate architect. So that was a difficult transition, I will say, for a little bit. My man, Um, that's tough. So I think it was like August or September that I did land. um, I think it might have been August. So I waited about two months, landed a job with a small firm outside of Portland and just started working there. And then obviously met my now wife during that process. And that's how I've ended up staying out here. But yeah, that definitely was a difficult transition. And I will say my first official job after grad school was not one I stuck with for too long. It was kind of a, a rough experience, but I soldered through. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I won't go on the full rant, but I I just mentioned this in the last episode too, but I, I find it wildly frustrating that entry-level jobs are, are requiring significant amount of experience and degrees yeah. and stuff like that. And so, to and so, and this is partially why, like you just expressed like a, a, a situation where you were, you were either too experienced or not experienced enough. Like there's no perfect answer. And so, yeah it just makes it really hard to break into these industries. Like something like for someone that is trying to go for something and get into something uh, like yourself, like it, it delayed your, your entry into the field. And so that's wildly frustrating to me. And I wish that this wasn't as, as common as it is is right now people are like, Oh yeah. Entry level job. As long as you have a master's and three years experience. Absolutely. (laughs) Like, I don't want that. Jeez. So well, kudos to you for sticking through, man. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> and with that stick to itiveness, do you think that there is a certain personality type that should steer either clear of architecture or toward? Yes. So <laughs> I would say, like in psychology, when we talk about people, how they deal with problems, there's people that fight and there's people that flight. There's people that hide away and kind of, um, I guess struggle a little bit more with like laziness or um, I don't want to use that word. There's a lot of connotations behind that word, but you know what I mean? Like more of Mm -hmm. a a person that's going to kind of avoid the problem versus a person that's going to 
fight or work hard. Um, now, I am not condoning like working hard to deal with your problems because a lot of us struggle <laughs> with those problems. But what I'm saying is personality types that more struggle with, like if you're a husband that has a wife telling you to stop working so hard, like when you're dealing with stress, you're going to more fit my field. (laughs) Um, And that's not necessarily a good thing. I would say when I started architecture school, um, my freshman year in the school of architecture program at UWM was pretty easy, although it was difficult for some. Sophomore year is when the going got tough. Our field is not as difficult technically as like engineering would be where you're dealing with a lot of math calculations, that kind of stuff. It's more difficult in terms of workload, Um, meaning you will pull all-nighters like crazy unless you are very well scheduled or, or if you just have a really good handle on knowing how long something is going to take. Yeah, there's, I think architecture may be number one or number two as far as um, like homework load and how long it will take to get done. So definitely a personality that is more like willing to work the hardest to get, you know, their degree done or willing to go the extra mile, even if it requires, you know, staying up until six in the morning and your project is due at 1 p.m. and you have to do a presentation Definitely, it, it requires very driven personalities. But also, I will say, like, one thing I learned after school is it definitely requires a, a massive knowledge of self and somebody that also knows their own limits. Because I used to have a lot of professors say to us, you know, like, if you pull more all nighters, it doesn't mean you're going to get an A in my class. It's if you know how to display exactly what you're trying to, um, to show in a project with as minimal effort as possible, which still requires a lot of effort. So I would definitely say that, like if you are a person that is much more hardworking and you're willing to pull the extra weight, then you're probably a pretty good fit. If you're a person that's gonna give up when you have to pull your first all-nighter and that's just not your thing, then I would say then this field is not for you. And if you don't know who you are yet, get into the field by your second year, you'll know. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) My class went from like 300 people my freshman year to about under a hundred people my sophomore year. So it kind of weeds those people out pretty quickly. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. If only there was a podcast that they could have listened to, to uh, have that insight on. (laughs) Right. If only someone was there on the front lines (laughs) telling them. Yeah. And I don't mean to steer people away. Um, I think I will say like, sometimes it's just worth going and finding out. Like if you're really passionate about something, if you're a person that loves finding solutions to problems in very creative ways, like you're probably going to fight against how much work it takes to get the the degree done too. So I also don't want to steer people completely clear. And also if you're a person that like you like a little bit of math. You also like a little bit of science. You love learning about history and sustainability and all these other, like all these different topics. That's definitely like architecture cut, like touches on all of those things too. So um, I think that's the best way I could answer that question. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you said that. First off, I didn't 
uh, just most recently what you said was that architecture touches all those kind of different concepts you're absolutely right and like it doesn't take a lot of thinking to to connect the dots like sustainability is absolutely present in architecture design and creativity and science mm-hmm. and you know weight and math and all these things are present in within the architecture field and that's really that's really kind of cool i really enjoy kind of expanding my mind when you know and learning things when i can and that's that's fascinating. I would I would have not picked architecture to be such a wide-reaching kind of profession like that. So that's really cool. You have used the words engineer versus architecture a couple different times, um, and maybe it's because I'm just kind of whew, dumb. But uh, what is the difference between an engineer and an architect? You are definitely not dumb for asking that question. I get that question all the time, and some of my um, my relatives actually still call me an engineer to this day. And I just don't even like, I don't even correct them anymore. It's like, whatever. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But there is, um, there's a lot of similarities and a lot of differences. Um, So I will say engineers get paid a lot more. So if you want money, go to engineering school. But I will say like, one thing that I kind of envy is engineers require less schooling. They usually require it just a bachelor's degree if you're doing a master's degree of all that you might as well make six figures once you get your job then there you go and their licensure process is much smaller than architects meaning there's a lot less red tape that's kind of intervening in their field which is confusing to me because they deal with structure and a lot of very very uh, finite details that actually help our buildings stay up and help our roads run correctly um what am I trying to say? Whereas architects, we're going to require a lot more education, a lot more licensure process, a lot more interaction with your state, local, and federal government, and fees to be paid um, to get less um, payments, you know, less salary every single month. But um, as what a lot of my team members at CB2 Architects say, <laughs> we're happier in the end <laughs> because we love the work that we do. So In architecture, you are required more to work with the design of a building. So if a client has a site and they don't know really what to do with it, say they're a developer, they will come to an architect usually because we have that creative mindset of saying, okay, so you have this site, it has these views or it has these constraints around it. This is what we can do with that site. On top of that, we have a knowledge of a lot of local and state and federal building codes. So like little details, like you need four feet of space in front of every single staircase in a residential setting. Um, That's not something that an engineer usually knows. They don't go through like an educational process to get to know those codes. And then space planning. Like if a client talks about um, maybe they, Um, I'm trying to think of like the circulation of space. If they want a building that has maybe retail and a little bit of office space and some residential, we're going to know kind of how to get those different programmatic elements to work together or even like space planning a house. Like if you have a certain site, we're going to know where we want the common rooms versus the private rooms. So we kind of touch like the pragmatic building code. We touch, you know, uh, space planning. We talk a lot about sustainability. Like I know that if a client ever asks for a west-facing wall, either I'm going to say no or a west-facing, um, sorry, like clear story window, like this huge or clear story. That's the wrong terminology too. Um, like large glass facade. 
I'm going to say no, because that's going to collect a lot of sunlight, which will also cause a lot in heating costs. So it's more of those kind of design elements that are both pragmatic and creative to know kind of like materials, that's design right. treatments, that kind of stuff that we work with and then code. But then an engineer will go and see our designs. And if they're structural, they'll say, okay, you created these spaces for maybe these columns because you have a basic understanding of structure. But then they're going to say, okay, we're actually going to do wood columns in this space, which you specified. They have to be this size. These are the connections that we require. Or, hey, we need you to shift this wall over because we can't actually, like this room is spending too much space for these columns to, or um, beams, you know, to work. Or um, electrical engineer will come in and they'll talk about like where different fixtures for wiring need to be in the building. Plumbing, obviously going into bathrooms, kitchens, that kind of stuff. They'll work with us on where different layouts need to be. And then uh, mechanical is a huge one when it comes to like ventilation systems in a building. Um, I don't want to talk about how many times I've had to move ceilings around in buildings because we don't have enough depth underneath the beam for um, say like a heating vent to come in. So that's kind of more of what the engineers do. It's much more of like the systems within our buildings that make them work. And then we design the building as a whole with kind of a pragmatic gotcha. uh, understanding of how the space is going to flow and what works. So I hope that answered your question. Yeah. Yeah. This is probably oversimplifying it, but it sounds like the architect is more in the in the way of aesthetics and the presentation and the visuals and the performance of the unit to be built where the, uh, an engineer might be more concerned with the, the actual physical construction of it. Does that make a little yes. bit more sense? Yeah, that makes sense. And I always want to lean away from like, also the stereotype of architects just being in this building, painting pretty pictures of houses because that's not what we do. <laughs> I I didn't mean to sell that either. No, the funny thing that you say that that is like one of the first things that when you look up a misconception of an architect, it's like, no, they're just artists like sitting in a room drawing or and I was like, "Mm, I'm pretty sure there's you're not going to school for six years to be like, (laughs) I can can draw pretty well. (laughs) So, So elaborate a little bit more on on that misconception that you've seen from people. Yeah, I mean, I will say there is a reason that stereotype exists. We love to bring art and craft into our field because if you didn't have that, like um, say you talk about um, historic architects like Andrea Palladio in Italy, one of the reasons that Italy is so beautiful is because of people like him. And without that creativity in the built environment, like our cities would just be concrete boxes because that'd be the cheapest way to go. And I guess I would say we're more of an advocate and a lot of contractors have a little bit of a sour taste in their mouth when they talk about architects because we make them pay more money essentially to do the construction they want. But without us kind of advocating in their place, the human and like the human experience of an environment would be much less, um, it would be much more depressing. So you kind of start talking about how buildings actually affect how people feel. Um, and how people perform. So um, in my office building, um, my office is just outside of downtown Salem. Um, Some people might know where Basil and Board is at. Um, We designed that office building and we put our office, the first floor of it, um, with, you know, ceiling to floor windows or floor to ceiling windows, either way. 
um, that taken views of Pringle Creek nearby and the trees um, with these, you know, 20 foot high ceilings. And it's statistically proven that if you work in the design profession, if you're working in an environment with high ceilings, you actually work faster than an environment with low ceilings um, because it enlightens your creativity. Um, there's actually a TED talk by an architect up in Seattle that talks about this. Um, he talks about how software developers in um, the Silicon Valley would actually build these like low tarp ceilings in their buildings because if you have a lower ceiling, your, your brain actually shifts to, is creativity the left side or right side of your brain? I can't remember. The creative side. <laughs> okay. So if you have lower ceilings in your building, your brain actually works more logically. So these software programmers were okay. noticing that as they lowered the ceilings in their workspaces, they were able to crunch numbers much faster. So we're not just designing beautiful spaces. We're actually thinking about how people interact with the space and how to actually preserve people's health and well-being. That's fascinating. There's another example. I, I wish I could remember the architect's name, but just TED Talk architecture. There's an architect out of Seattle that talks about this. And they're the ones that designed the Amazon campus. I think it might be NBBJ Architects. But anyways, he talks about a, um, is it um, Brain Cancer Health Center? It's basically a health center that this architecture firm designed to help patients recover from very traumatic surgery. And the health center was actually designed with the central courtyard with all these beautiful trees and this park space. That's not only nice for like a visitor to come in and experience, but all of the hospital rooms face that courtyard. So the seats that like a patient would sit in and that, that in each of those rooms, those exam rooms, would be facing towards the door and the doctor while they were being worked on. And then as soon as the doctor worked out, walked out of the room and they'd be recovering, that chair would actually swivel 180 degrees to face that, the window that would face out into the courtyard. And that hospital actually took, they took statistics of how well patients did and their patients would recover much faster now that they have this new building with the central courtyard that these patients can look at while they were recovering. Oh man. So it's just kind of like this idea that space actually, it influences, it influences your mental health, your physical health. Like if you have access to places you can run or go hiking or just feel like you want to go out and move around, you're going to be more physically healthy. It's like, it in, it just influences so much more about your life than you think it would. Yeah, that's crazy. That's super mm -hmm. cool. I love that kind of stuff. No, I don't have a great transition for this, but um, <laughs> essentially uh, <laughs> what I would say is so we, we've talked a little bit about kind of the, the schooling and the certifications, the, mm -hmm. the degree program. We've talked about a little bit of the difference between an engineer and, a, and an architect, some of the personality traits that might be preferred or, or not. So sometimes with a career, you'll find these ancillary or these uh, accompanying perks, benefits, cool side effects to having the job, really. Uh, for example, mm -hmm. when I worked for 
a uh, cellular phone company, I used to get new phones all the time. Like every month or so I'd get a new device and I'd get new Bluetooth products and electronics all the time, you know, because we needed to be smart on how to use them. So that was kind of a cool perk to be able to have this kind of rotating, rotating conveyor belt of technology fed to me. Um, is there anything like that in the architectural world that kind of is kind of a perk for, for being there? Hmm. Yeah, you know, I was actually, I saw that question on your email the other day and I was like, hmm, <laughs> because- Well, maybe not. The answer can be no. I mean, yeah, I was thinking to myself, like, you know, if you work at, um, you know, a retail company, you get a 30% discount, you know, on their clothes or whatever. Sure. And I was like, do I get a 30% discount on a new house? Um, <laughs> but that's not necessarily the case either. Um, wouldn't that be so stinking cool though? Like legit, awesome. <laughs> like, Hey, can yeah. I take a 30% right off the top? <laughs> yeah. Do it. Um, I, there's a couple of things that do come to mind to me. Um, one, I will say one comes to like the actual degree itself. If you hold an architectural degree, you do have the perk that you don't necessarily need to go into architecture. You actually do have the ability to go into quite a few other fields. Like I've seen a couple of my classmates actually go into publishing companies because they're really good at graphic design. Heck yeah. Part of knowing architecture. Um, I've seen people go into like shoe design with Nike because they have that creative mindset and they've done model building. They've done, they've interacted with that software and even like logo design, that kind of stuff. Sure. So I'd say that's one perk to being in my field. Another one is you just have a really good understanding of what's going on around you in the built environment. And it does give you a little bit more of a platform with like city governments advocating for certain things. So like in Salem, it's, it's a process right now, but a lot of us architects are interacting with the new comprehensive plan that's coming out. And we're saying, hey, we have this skill set. We have this knowledge. We're really good at problem solving. Employ us to, well, not necessarily employ us, but you know what I mean. Like, draw from our knowledge on how we want to make Salem a better place. We can offer that to you. So you do have a little bit more of a platform when it comes to politics and that kind of stuff. And you do have a lot of connections that you do make through the field with contractors, engineers, that kind of stuff for if you are building a home or if you know a friend that wants a project. And I will say the last perk that I know I have right now is a lot of people, including yourself, do come to um, <laughs> a friend that's an architect to say, hey, like, can you take on this project? Or do you have, like, do you have any knowledge about this? So like, there's always work out there, even if we're like in a recession or anything too. Yeah. But other than that, like discounts, that kind of stuff, I haven't found those perks yet. And maybe it's just because I'm still an architect in training and I need to get my feet in the door to understand more of the perks in my field. So it's interesting you say that because you're the second person to, to comment on that type of perk. And I guess maybe we could reword that question a little bit when we write it down, but really uh, when we're thinking about perks, we're really just kind of thinking about like, this is just kind of a happy accident. Like, Oh, I didn't know that when I signed up for this, I was going to also, you know, take advantage of this as well. So um, yeah. Kind of touched about it again there in, in that answer, but 
I think it's fascinating to learn the psychology of how I feel when I'm in a room. And like, to me, I'm like, oh, that'd be a huge perk. Like if I know I, I'm going to go into this building and I'm likely to have this reaction or, Hey, I look at this room and for some reason, everyone's sad. I know how I can positively, like I can have a positive impact on there. That seems like it'd be a, a pretty good perk um, to have. And then, as, as always, networking, um, as a new homeowner, there should be no shortage of contractors and people that can do that stuff that you should know. I'm yeah. learning that I didn't network properly that well. So I'm like, no, I've networked. Not with the right people on this one. Got it. Okay. Good Good to know. Good to know. Right. Yeah. I love I love the the ability that, that, that a room can change the mood or the psychological presence of a, of, of a worker or somebody in it. Uh, what an interesting way to innovate. You know, I, I think oftentimes when I, when I'm working, innovation was ripe everywhere. Like literally I could, I could point in a direction and be like, this could, this could be innovated and, and, you know, made to be better. You know, yeah. I would have never thought, I would have never thought that the room I'm sitting in could be innovated, you know, in that yeah. level. And so that's, it's a really intriguing concept. And that's really cool that you get to, you get to have an effect on that. You get to, you get to bless people with the, the way that they feel every day. That's really cool. Yeah, absolutely. So along with the perks, I know you, this is not a drawback, but it can be seen as a drawback. Um, you already talked about the schooling and the late nights that often come along with this. Um, are there any other drawbacks? Yeah. I will say definitely when you do come out of school, like the big perception of architects is that we're these very wealthy people who have very posh, beautiful houses and, um, you know, drink gourmet coffee every single day. And that's just not the truth. You're not? (laughs) No, we we definitely covet that lifestyle though, because we're like, oh, like... (laughs) Of course. Yeah. I go to archive every day and have, you know, my, my latte made for me. No, that is not, that's not how, how our lifestyle is though. So um, the misconception comes from the few architects that are out there, like Frank Lloyd Wright. Um, Zaha Hadid is another big one that recently died. Um, They make a lot of money. Um, but they also have thousands of people working at their firm for them, or I guess the better number is maybe hundreds. Um, there's only about a hundred thousand registered architects, registered architects in America. So it's a very small field and there's a few people that do make a lot of money if you're the, the head of a very successful company. But if you even have a master's degree, you'll come into school making under 50 grand a year, even on the West coast. So it isn't the most lucrative career, but I will say also that it's a very enjoyable, rewarding career to go into. Um, So it's just, what are your goals? Um, If you want to come out of school and you want to be at the top of a company and making a lot of money, maybe architecture is not your field. But if you want to come out of school and actually, which I think is the better route, have a passion for what you're doing and have the ability to maybe shape lives if you if you push yourself in the right direction then then architecture is more for you so i mean is the pay a drawback yes if you're living on the west coast but there's there's a lot of other bigger rewards that i'd say can push aside the the financial difference and and not to 
I didn't mean to gloss over this, but I keep looking at the your background right now and thinking just how beautiful. So can you talk about uh, opportunities that you have already experienced in helping design and kind of go into a little bit of your background picture since no one's going to be able to see this. Um, and then I keep thinking of the perk of being able to walk by a building at some point and going, that's my building. Yeah, I, I, like, right? I drew that. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was me. So could you so, talk about the building a little bit in your background? Yeah, sure. Um, so this is actually not one of my con conceptual designs. It's something my firm has recently completed and I'm so excited for them because it's going to be a project that does put us more on the map for more projects in the Pacific Northwest, if not nationally. Um, so um, this is the one, the building that they're talking about in my background is called the Salem Rotary Amphitheater. If you look it up online, you'll see a picture of it. It's this um, glue lamb uh, timber structure that's bent into the form of basically a basket. One of my coworkers was super clever coming up with this design. He was talking about the California Native Americans to Salem and how one of their crafts was basket weaving. And so out of that kind of came this design that was very um, uh, parametric, meaning that it's made out of a logarithm that creates these different waving forms up in the air. Um, and then from that, contractors are able to somehow like cut and bend these beautiful gulam beams all together um, into this beautiful form. And then we have like this white, um, if you see it during the day, it's a white fiberglass fabric that goes over the top, of course, because we're in Oregon. And if you're having an event inside that, um, that space, you wanna be able to have the protection from the rain. It apparently was manufactured in New Hampshire and then was shipped to Denmark, I believe, for weaving and then brought all the way back to the Northwest at like, I think it was $500,000 just for the fabric structure. But basically this project, I mean, unfortunately when you are in our field, you have to deal with budget, budget, budget all the time. So you want a beautiful project, but when you come to a developer or a nonprofit, they're always gonna slice it down and say, okay, well, we need to make this work. And then you as an architect have to be very creative in how to create a very beautiful structure still, but with a smaller price tag. But in this version, or in this instance, basically when our firm approached the Rotary Club of Salem with this design, they were like, we wanna make that work. It's going to take a lot of money. We're just going to fundraise for it. Let's do that. And so that kind of gave us space to actually design this and make this a reality. So we're so excited to see this come up now. Well, I know, yeah. I know you don't live in Salem, but have you been to the waterfront park in Salem to walk by this? Uh, I, I very much, I need to, I, if, if you have a chance, definitely Google it. It is just this picture. It's stunning. And I, like I was saying, be such a perk to even in the smallest amount to be able to attach my name to a structure like this. You look at this and it's, it's, it's yeah. a beautiful piece of work. Totally. You walk by it in like in person and you're just, you ever get one of those feelings where like you're, you're looking up and then like you seem to like lose control of your neck a little bit because you're like, oh my gosh, like you're just kind of struck <laughs> by it. It's stinking cool. Like it's so cool. And so you kind of lose control of your neck and you're like, oh, oh my gosh, it's so beautiful. Anyway, so well done. And like Will said, even just to be able to stick my name adjacent to this thing would be uh, a pride point for me. So, yeah, yeah, we're so excited to 
uh, see this open and then be able to actually, I think one thing that's gonna be really fun is seeing the community embrace it. And we've been able to actually watch that a little bit since the structure is completely open to the project. You can, or the public, sorry. You can just walk right up to it when you're at the park now. We have the chain link fence down and everything, these constructions finishing. So being able to see people actually walk up to it now and walk underneath it or look at it, or um, even like you'll see little kids like screaming underneath it to kind of test the acoustics, it's kind of fun. Um, and then when we're able to actually watch the concerts, you know, that this venue is going to host, that's just going to be so cool for Salem and really like an awesome piece to bring the community together. So, yeah, I would say... Other than that, like most of the projects that I've been a part of that have been impactful are kind of more where I'm shifting my, my focus, which is with nonprofits or just uh, communities that struggle with a lot of poverty. So I there's a great firm called Engineering Ministries International, and they do they work with engineers and architects. Uh, they're based out of Colorado Springs, but they have firms all over the world. And I've been on projects with them in both Zambia and India now um, uh, in these small communities that, well, actually in India, I was in Kolkata, so that wasn't a small community, but these communities that had a real need and needed an architect to kind of show up, volunteer their time and come up with these concepts of like, uh, in India, they were trying to come up with a education center working with children that actually dealt with uh, drug addiction, which is fairly common in Kolkata. So they were looking for designers to come in and be able to volunteer their services to actually give back to the community and provide a safe place for these, these kids. And then in Zambia, I was working, oh, they were actually working on an education center also, but it was more because they were dealing with the struggles of how do we build our local economy? Because a lot of it had been outsourced to mining, which was taken up by basically companies from other countries that were taking local jobs. So that's kind of the area where I'm really excited to see my career grow is improving the lives of others. Because, you know, I was given the money to get my education. I was able to you know, when I lived in Milwaukee, this was the biggest thing I noticed. I was able to live on the nice side of the city near downtown by Lake Michigan, but then literally a mile away from me were neighborhoods where the median income was 10 grand a year. I mean, like just ridiculous poverty. And that's where it shifted my mind from like, why am I just drawing these beautiful museums for people that are actually wealthier than me? and not actually helping these people across the city that do, don't even have a place to live. So that's another part of the field that many like miss and it's actually pretty brand new to our field that firms are actually working with nonprofits and people in need. So that's definitely kind of an area that I'm really excited about too. It doesn't maybe have the glitz and glam of this photo behind me, but it still makes a massive impact in other people's lives. Absolutely. It's like when you look at the actual impact, though, that's the impact on somebody's life in that situation is a lot. It's going to be a lot more meaningful giving them a sustainable building or sustainable school with an education center. Um, mm -hmm. That's 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 fascinating. That's amazing. That's absolutely amazing. 
Absolutely. And I was right when I called you a beautiful person, because guess what? That's what you're talking about is being a beautiful person right now. So thank you for validating me. Yeah, I mean, it took you 55 minutes. I was starting to question it. But, uh... Well, Zach, we appreciate you coming. We appreciate your, your thoughts, sharing your stories, giving us a little, a little detail into what it looks like to be in architecture. So I guess the, the last question I'll ask is, if you were to speak to our listeners or to somebody that might be interested in architecture, design, engineering, anywhere in this, in the similar field, if, if you could tell them one thing to get them started on their way or the, to be the most helpful to them, what would you give them as a recommendation? Wow, that's a big question. Um, I would say go out and try it. Um, like there's, there's no mistake in at least taking a stab. If you feel like you have a leaning towards the the construction industry, you love watching buildings go up. Um, there's no harm in at least starting your schooling in that because even if you start getting to maybe your sophomore year in architecture school and you're trying to pull the all-nighters for designing literally a wall with a couple windows in it and coming up with the right like window placement, which that's literally what I had to do for 48 hours of an all-nighter of my life. But if you start getting to that and you're like, man, this is not for me, at least you have the life experience there behind you that will then point you in the direction of another field. Because likely there's something there, there's something in the field that got you there that you can you can still take and wield in another direction. Like I said, if you start getting an architectural degree, you don't have to be an architect. You can be a graphic designer. You can go into engineering halfway through your schooling because you at least have that concept of space and design. So there's a lot of things you can do with that. And then on top of that, once you hit the work life, I will say you have a lot more room for creativity in the schooling field. And then once you get to work, it's budget, clients, developers, et cetera. And what I will say to that is don't stop being creative, like still sketch every single day because little design opportunities still come up. And when you are putting yourself in that position, something will come your way eventually. Yeah. That's great advice, man. I think that apply in, to a, a lot of different people, uh, regardless of their situation or the career they're pursuing. I, I think it's just good advice in general to, you know, it, when you get the idea, take a stab, take a, take a, take a step out and try, because oftentimes you'll be surprised with what kind of result shows up from that trying. And honestly, you'll, you'll be better and, and more educated because of it. So thanks again, Zach. Thanks for showing up. Thanks for, thanks for giving us your time and letting us quiz you about architecture. We really appreciate you stopping by. For our listeners that may want to follow you or your your work, is there any way that they could get a hold of you or track you in the future? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so first of all, I do have a LinkedIn platform. So if you look me up, you will find me, Zachary Pates, and I work at CB2 currently. And then my personal email is Z as in Zachary, S as in Sam, uh, P-A-T-E, which is my last name, at Outlook.com. Um, I love hearing people's questions or maybe concerns, or I just, I love, um, sharing kind of what I've learned over the years, uh, with others to kind of like point them in the right direction when they have the interest in this field for sure. So 
don't be afraid. Don't be shy. Yeah, thank you. I am so excited. I'm going to start sending you drawings of what I want to do to my house. So super. <laughs> All right. What do you mean there needs to be a wall there? Thank you for listening. Please rate and review on whichever platform you use to listen to us. If you have questions, comments, ideas for the show, guests, or professions you'd like to know more about, drop us an email at ICanDoThatPod at gmail.com. You can also find us on Instagram at ICDTPod. We'll see you next week for another interview.